Moses was a shepherd in the land. Jehovah's voice to him was clear. Who am I, Lord, to fulfill your plan? Moses humbly asked in fear, I am God, so put your trust in me. I am God, and I made you. Creation of the stars was mine, the earth and all that is. Trust in me, for I am God. David faced the giant Israel's foe. No one else could win the day. David knew the battle was the Lord's. In victory he heard God say, I am God, so put your trust in me. I am God, and I made you. Creation of the stars was mine, the earth and all that is. Trust in me, for I am God. Oh, dear one who knows God, follow him. Humble hearts his word obey. You will find that our God can provide all the needs you have today. He is God, so put your trust in Him. He is God, and He made you. Creation of the stars was God's, the earth and all that is. Trust in Him, for He is God. Trust in me, for I am God. Luke, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. It says, And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first... He went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. And let me just comment on that. Corn, as we know it, was not a thing then. That's, that's something of the Western Hemisphere. Uh, probably, you know, some kind of grain, probably wheat. And I can identify that if we used to do this. When the wheat gets about ready to harvest, you'd pick a, an ear of it off and rub it like this and, and get the kernels out and eat it. And that's what the disciples were doing here. Anyway. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do you that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? And Jesus answering them said, Have you not read so much as this, what David did when he when himself was hungered, and they which were with him? How he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread, and gave also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. And he said unto them, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered. 
And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they were filled with madness, and communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. I title this message, Religion, Bondage, or Liberty. Religion, Bondage, or Liberty. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity that is ours to be gathered here, and thank you for your word that we can study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, Father, I pray you should help me this morning to rightly divide thy truth and apply it to our lives that for our good and for thy glory, Lord, speak to our hearts, convict where conviction is needed, save those that may be lost without hope, without God in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Religion, according to Webster's, is described as a set of beliefs concerning the cause, nature, and purpose of the universe. That's a general definition of religion. Now, I don't like the term religion. And, you know, when you say religion today, to me it always has a bad connotation. It's, it refers to some false system of beliefs. But the word itself is, is kind of, you know, means any system or set of beliefs. And Christianity is a system or set of beliefs. In fact, James 1.27 says, Pure religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So there is pure religion, and that's what Bible Christianity, it is pure religion. Um, It, it of course, is a set of beliefs uh, based on truth and the purpose of why we're here, why the universe exists, and that is to glorify God. Uh, But, you know, and everybody, there are a lot of people today who would say they're not religious, which is really not true. Humanism likes to pride itself in being without religion. And yet humanists, the Humanist Manifesto uh, 3, Humanist Manifesto 3, the first point there says, religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. Religious humanists? So I guess they are religious after all. Uh, You know, humanism has been described as a religion. It is a religion. But who's the God of it? Man is. In fact, as you think about it, all false religion is of man. There's only one true religion. That's Bible Christianity. All other religions are of man. So as we think about religion this morning, bondage or liberty, I want to notice, I got three things. First of all, I want you to notice the bondage of religion. And I've got two points under this. First of all, uh, religion, or false religion as we would call it, oppresses and opposes those under its authority. 
Notice verse 2 of Luke chapter 6. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? Here, again, get the picture. This is a Sabbath day, and, and, and Jesus and the disciples were walking, and they came to a field, a field of grain. They're hungry. So, uh, uh, and this was allowed. If you go to Deuteronomy, it, it tells us this, that, that this is a lawful thing to do, that you can, you can go into a person's field and pluck an ear and, and eat a little bit of it. You're not to put a sickle into it, not to harvest it. But it was, it was lawful under the law. If you were hungry, you could go through somebody's field and just pick some grain and eat it. And that's what they were doing. It was on the Sabbath day. And so the, the Pharisees say, you know, why do you that which is unlawful to do on the Sabbath day? The only problem is there was no law that condemned what they did. The problem is they had added to the law. And add to the law. And Jesus responds to them and answers them in verse 3 and says, Have you not so much as read as this, what David did when himself wasn't hungered, and they which were with him? How he went to the house of God did take and eat the showbread, and gave also them that were with him, and which is not lawful to eat but for the priests? So, so he, he responds to them, you know, don't, you, don't you remember reading what David did? I mean, David is fleeing from Saul, and he comes to Ahimelech, the priest, and, and, and he's, they're hungry, and you know, they're, they're on the run, and he and some of his men, and he, and he says, what do you have here to eat? And then it says, well, the only thing I have is showbread, baked today. And David said, oh, we'll take that. Well, this technically wasn't for the common man, but in, in a situation like that, they were allowed to eat it. So here's a man, and, and, and also in verse 7, there's a man who has a withered hand, and, and, and you notice, it says in verse 7, the scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. So, so they were hungered, and, and there's a man with a withered hand who had a real need, and they were more concerned, uh, uh, you know, were they concerned with the needs of men, or were they more concerned about their traditions? You see, religion, again, it oppresses and opposes those under its authority. In Acts chapter 18, verses 5 and 6 at Corinth, uh, it tells us this, And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, and this is Paul when Paul was at Corinth, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified that the, to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. And then it, there's this phrase, And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads, for I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. In 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, Again, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captain by him at his will. See, if a person's caught up in a false religion, they're opposing themselves. They're oppressing themselves. One commentator said this, speaking of the example that Jesus gave about David, and first, that actually is in first, found in 1 Samuel 21, 
He says it shows the first principle. Human need is more important than religious ritual. He says this is exactly what many people steeped in tradition simply cannot accept. They don't believe that what God really wants is mercy before sacrifice. Hosea 6.6 says, For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. G. Campbell Morgan said this, I quote, Any application of the Sabbath law which operates to the detriment of man is out of harmony with God's purpose, unquote. So the question we have to ask is, is it a tradition or is it scripture? And Jesus said in Mark 2.27, he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But again, false religion oppresses and opposes those under its authority. Uh, Secondly, as we think about false religion, false religion is filled with inconsistencies and exceptions. Now notice verses 7 through 9 of Luke chapter 6. Verses 7 through 9. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Now, go to Matthew chapter 12. This is a parallel passage. Matthew chapter 12 and, and verse, uh, verse 11. Matthew 12 and verse 11. <clears throat> Matthew 12, verse 11 says, and this is the same instance, the same happening. And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? Notice this. And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, we not lay hold on it and lift it out. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Again, here's the inconsistency. Here's the exception. So it's not okay to heal a man who's got a withered hand on a Sabbath day, but it is okay to lift a sheep out of a pit on a Sabbath day. What's involved here? Money. That's what's involved. It's okay to rescue your animal. Isn't that work? You know, if you start looking at false religions, you're going to find they're full of inconsistencies and exceptions. You know, growing up Mennonite and working amongst the Amish, I saw a lot of inconsistencies. I was talking to my brother-in-law here just recently, and and he was asked me what, he said, when you lived over there in the valley, he said, uh, did you ever talk to them about what they actually preach? Or, and he said, and I said, yeah, but you don't get much for answers. But most of their church splits, this was a joke, most of their church splits 
splits among the Amish have to do with whether you're allowed to wear snaps, buttons, or zippers. Sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? In fact, I had an Amish friend that I worked with for a couple years that I was witnessing to, and he was going to get married. And, uh, and uh, you know, until they get married, they have to, you know, when they're, when they're dating, they have to have an open carriage. They can't have a, a closed carriage, you know, buggy. So he bought, he was getting ready, he was getting, getting married, so he bought this closed uh, carriage or buggy, and he showed it to me. I mean, he was very proud of it. He showed it to me. There were colors in it, carpet, blues and grays, and he even had a little propane heater in it. I mean, it was really nice. <laughs> one mind having one myself, you know. <laughs> Not to, you know, but anyway. Uh, I mean, it was really nice. So, so it had these colors in it. Well, it wasn't too long after that that the Amish preachers tore all the carpet out of his buggy because it was colored. And I said, did you know when you bought it that you weren't allowed to have colors? Yeah, but some of them have colors in theirs. I said, oh, they do, huh? I said, well, that sounds like modern-day Phariseeism to me. He said, yeah, but they just said if you bought it before such and such a date, you can keep it. Now, what is that? That is outright hypocrisy. You know, this, this, is, this is what religion is. You know, study the Roman Catholic Church or any religion, and you're going to find all kinds of inconsistencies or exceptions for certain people. Um, you know, Roman Catholic Church, salvation is by faith and works. How you could do that, I'm not sure. But uh, you know, one of the one I'm quoting here from one of their documents, so that all men may attain salvation through faith, baptism, and the observant of the commandments. So you get saved by faith, baptism, and works. You know, I was at a at a uh, Catholic funeral one time, the mother of one of our friends. And I think they put her in heaven in two or three ways, during, even during the funeral. Sprinkled holy water on her, baptized her, uh, you know, and, and I can't remember what all they did. But, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can get to heaven, supposedly, through the Catholic Church. <coughs> One commentator said this, speaking about the, the, the Jews, getting back to the Jews, and, and their... their uh, 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 strictness, and inconsistencies, he said this, this approach to the Sabbath continues among Orthodox Jews. In early 1992, tenants let three apartments in an Orthodox neighborhood in Israel burn to the ground while they asked a rabbi whether a telephone call to the fire department on the Sabbath would violate Jewish law. 
Observant Jews are forbidden to use the phone on the Sabbath because doing so would break an electrical current, which is considered a form of work. In the half hour it took the rabbis to decide, yes, the fire spread to do to two neighboring apartments, unquote. You see, friends, false religion is bondage. It's bondage. But you know the second thing, the true religion, the liberty of true religion, and as we think of, and as I speak of true religion, I'm talking about Bible-believing Christianity. First of all, true religion promotes learning. It promotes learning. Notice verse 3. Jesus said, Have ye not read? Have you not read? Are you guys ignorant? That's really what he's saying. Are you guys ignorant? You know, there are many verses. If you read through the Bible, there are many verses that tell us that God is for us learning. There's no no spiritual um, um, benefit to being ignorant. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of holy is understanding. Deuteronomy 31.12 and 13, gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy strangers that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law, and that their children which have not known anything may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land, whether you go or Jordan to possess it. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. And that word reason there has the idea of argue or debate. Like a lawyer is going to present his case. Jeremiah 12, 16. And it shall come to pass, if they will diligently learn my ways. Learn the ways of my people and swear by my name. The Lord liveth as they taught my people to swear by Baal. Then shall they be built in the midst of my people. Matthew 9, 13. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. What's that going to require? Some study. God wants us to study. Go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not called come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance Matthew eleven twenty nine. take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest for your souls 1 Corinthians 14 31 for ye may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and be comforted Titus three fourteen. and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful and then 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word true. So God wants us to study his word. And, and he says in John 8.32, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The old saying is, it is impossible to enslave a Bible-reading people.
You know, when, when England sent troops into the colonies, you know what they find out? You know what they thought first? These are a bunch of backwoods, illiterate people. You know what they find out? They find out something different. These people were well-educated. You know, the colonies were more literate than England. Why is that so? It's because of the effect of this book. There's, there is, there, up, up until that time, there had never been a nation that had its foundation on such just laws as ours. And they're, they're, they're founded on the principles of this book. Why was the Dark Ages called the Dark Ages? It's because the Catholic Church kept knowledge from the people. They kept the learning from the common man. That's part of Catholic doctrine. You know, one of the things that Catholic doctrine says is the, only the Roman Catholic Church has authority to inter interpret Scripture. Quote, the task of interpreting the word of God authentically has been entrusted solely to the magisterium of the church. That is, to the pope and to the bishops in communion with him. So I have no business interpreting scripture to you this morning. Because after all, I'm not in the Catholic church. And I'm not, you know, one of the bishops. Praise the Lord. What, what was one of the things the Catholic Church did not want to happen or tried to oppose very vehemently? The translation of the scriptures into the language of the people. William Tyndale said, and I quote, I had perceived by experience how that it was impossible to establish the lay people in any truth except the scripture were plainly laid before their eyes in their mother tongue, that they might see the process, order, and meaning of the text, unquote. And he goes on to say this, and I quote, in answer to Sir Thomas More's dialogue in 1531, he said this, quote, Take ye therefore wicked prelates, blind leaders of the blind, indurate and obstinate hypocrites, take heed, Ye will be the chiefest in Christ's flock, and ye will not keep one jot out of the right way of his doctrine. Ye keep thereof almost naught at all, whatsoever soundeth to make you of your bellies, to maintain your honor, whether in the scripture or in your own tradition, or in the Pope's laws, that you compel the lay people to observe, violently threatening them with your excommunications and curses, that they shall be damned, body and soul, if they keep them not. And if that help you not, then you murder them mercilessly with the sword of the temporal powers, whom you have made so blind that they be ready to slay whom you command, and will not hear his cause examined, nor give him room to answer for himself. Unquote. No wonder they hated William Tyndale. But it was William Tyndale who also said this, and I quote, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life, ere many years I will cause a boy that driveth the plow 
to more mow the scriptures than thou dost. And he was speaking to a priest. See, religion, true religion, will set you free. It'll set the conscience free from the burden of sin. It brings the realization that that salvation is not of man. It's not controlled by a man. You know, John 1, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe his name, which were born, not of blood, it's not by inheritance, nor of the will of flesh, I can't work for it, nor of the will of man. No man can give it to me or keep it from me. But of God. You see, Bible Christianity sets the conscience and soul free. You know, one of the one of our basic doctrines of, of of Baptist is what we call soul liberty. Freedom of choice. Freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. We're to coerce no man or be coerced by no man. And how we worship God. And that is why false religion fears the truth. Because it strips them of their power over the souls of men. Notice in chapter 6 here, in verse 11, it says, And they were filled with madness, and communed one with another what they might do to, with Jesus. They were filled with madness. Why were they angry? Why were they so upset? It's because he's going he's gonna to cause them to lose control of the people. Here, here he is. He heals a man that's lame, and, and, and they're mad about it. I want you to notice the third thing. The indignation of the Lord against false religion. Notice verses 8 through 10. It says, But he knew their thoughts, and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so. And his hand restored whole as the other. Now, go to Mark, Mark chapter 3. You know, this, this account is, is recorded for us in all three, first three Gospels. And each Gospel has a little bit more detail, or a little different detail. But Mark chapter 3, verse 3, it says this. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he saith unto them, that is, of course, to the Pharisees, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. Now notice this phrase. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. You know, our lovely Lord Jesus, we would say he was just plain mad. This word anger is translated wrath 31 times. 
it's translated anger three times and once vengeance. And of course, you know, Jesus knew their thoughts. And so he asked them this question. And notice, they will not answer. They will not answer. You know, I don't know about you, but what would be going through my mind is, you sorry, reprobate rascals, you would rescue a sheep. but you wouldn't heal a man. You would rescue an animal, but you wouldn't help a man. How hard-hearted, how cruel, how, how uncaring, without compassion, what despicable treatment to a fellow human being to make him lower than an animal because of your custom or ritual. Is that not what false religion is? Your false religion, false religion is against man, though it is man-made. The only people it profits are those who design it. It oppresses, it burdens, it condemns his fellow man before God and is this sentence of eternal damnation. And I would submit to you that there's nothing God hates more than false religion. In fact, while on earth, our Lord had the strongest words of condemnation for those involved in false religion. Go to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. <clears throat> Your false religion, in my opinion, and I believe I have the... Agree, the Lord will agree with me here. It's worse than drunkenness. Harlotry. A lot of things. You name it. It's worse. It condemns. I mean, you know, John the Baptist and Jesus said, the publicans and harlots come into the kingdom of heaven before you. Matthew 23, verse 13. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For neither, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So they're hind not only they don't go in themselves, they're hindering others from going in. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayer. Therefore you receive the greater damnation. You're talking about devouring widows' houses. Any of you ever read 50 years in the Church of Rome? You ought to read it. Now, you might say the Catholic Church is different today. No, it's not. It's just got a different face. They don't have the power or control they had. That's why they appear different. They're not different. Uh, but Charles Chinnickway, he wrote the book. He was, he was uh, uh, his parents taught in the Bible, though they were Catholic. And they would they they'd make him memorize passages of scripture, and he'd stand up when he one of the stories that tells is that he stood up, his dad had him stand up on a table, and the priest came, and he he stood up on the table as a little boy and quoted this passage of scripture, and the priest condemned him family for it. And, you know, he eventually became a Catholic priest, but in the process of time, his dad died, and they were left kind of destitute. 
And the only thing they had was their cow. So the priest comes to visit and says, your dad's in purgatory. You need to pay for a mass. So they'll offer prayers to, so your dad will eventually get out of purgatory. And his mom says, we don't have anything. He says, you have a cow. And she begged him and begged him and begged him not to take the cow. But he did. That's religion. You see, they devour widows' houses. Pretense make long prayer. Therefore you see the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You compass sea and land to make one a proselyte or convert. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell and yourselves. Uh, Woe unto you, you blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon the altar, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whosoever shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth uh, thereon. And he, shall, and he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye not to have done and not to leave the other. You know, he said you ought to tithe, but where's your judgment? Where's your mercy? Where's your faith? You blind guides would strain it in that and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within thy cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like a whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye then, fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? You see, God hates false religion. You know, and I believe that Mystery Babylon in Revelation 17 and 18 is the, all the false religions of the world combined into one. By the way, you know who the biggest false religion in the world is? The Roman Catholic Church. They're the biggest. But they're all going to come together. They're all going to come together. You say Islam will too? Yeah, they will. They all have the same father. 
They're all of the devil. And false religion started clear back with Cain. It's a system based on works. So, you know, is your religion true or false? Is it pure or corrupt? You know, to answer that question, you have to answer this question. Have you come to God his way, or are you trying to figure it out on your own? You know, Luke 13, 3 says, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now he was saying that to religious people. To the Pharisees. The righteous of the day. So, have you come to God his way or are you trying to figure out your own way? Again, John 1, 12, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the Son of God, even to them which believe in his name, which were born, not of blood, not by inheritance, nor the will of the flesh. It isn't by your good works, nor the will of man. Nobody else can give it to you. You have to receive it for yourself. But it's of God. So religion... Bondage or liberty? Which one are you in? Where are you this morning? Do you have liberty in Christ? Are you in fellowship with him? Or are you lost in your sin? Trying to work your own way. 